You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. Well, certainly over the last few weeks, we've gotten a dose of reality. We've once again learned, because we always seem to forget, that we're not in control of natural events. And once again, we are staring straight at our own mortality. And when a crisis happens, with it comes uncertainty. And that's certainly been the case within this COVID-19 crisis. And it causes us to think differently. It causes us to think at a deeper level. And I hope that as you're navigating through this, and as we go into the Word, that you'll make a decision that will change your life. And as we look at Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, the Bible leads us to a place that changes everything, and I hope it changes you. Now, that entrance into Jerusalem, we we have called Palm Sunday for a long time, and there's a lot of tradition attached to Palm Sunday. Many of us grew up in the church, and we remember wearing first century clothing and waving palm branches as we celebrated Jesus riding into Jerusalem and announcing himself as Messiah. But more than tradition, Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem forced a decision. He was offering himself as king. And the people that were standing there watching him ride in were forced to make a choice. Is this Jesus really who he says he is? Am I going to follow him? And those questions hover over our land even today. And that moment when Jesus came to Jerusalem was a giant step toward the moment that John is going to lead us to, the moment that changed everything. And I hope it changes you. And so this if you take a Bible, if you have it, or if you have a tablet or a phone, whatever you might have, I'd love you to turn with me to the book of John chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 12. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. And I want to walk through this event with you and how it leads us to this amazing moment that forces a decision. And I want to help you make the right decision about Jesus in your life. So here's the setting. It was Passover, and that's a celebration where people would come from all over the land into Jerusalem, and the city would swell in size. And there was political overtones because the Romans were the occupying force, and they were hated by the Jewish people. But Jesus was moving within this setting that was controlled It was absolutely the way it should have been. And it was leading us all to a point when we would have to decide who is Jesus to us, to me, and to you. And so here's the text, beginning in John 12, verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written. Fear not, 
daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see this? You are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And so this was an amazing time. And Jesus had chosen this time to offer himself as Israel's king, to claim that he is Messiah. And verse 12 tells us that a large crowd had gathered in Jerusalem. And so the setting here is Passover. And Passover sets the stage for the Lord's offer of salvation. And there are two main groups that are lining this road that starts at the Mount of Olives and then walks down through the Kidron Valley. It's very steep. And then up into the city. The first group were those that had been there to see Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb. And so either they were investigating to find out more or they were believers. The second group were Galileans that had come from all around and they'd heard about Jesus. He was quite the rock star at this point. He had done miracles and healings and they wanted to see his signs and they wanted to hear more about this raising of Lazarus. And so here they were lining this road in a political hotbed. That's exactly what Jerusalem was. And the Roman and Jewish authorities were afraid because the city was hugely populated at this time. The Jewish people hated the Romans. The Romans were brutal to the Jewish people. And now all of a sudden, here's this person riding into Jerusalem claiming to be king. But again, this is exactly how Jesus wanted it. Because he's leading us to a moment when we have to decide. Who is he? What am I going to do about him? And so the timing and the setting of this, what we call the triumphal entry, was absolutely controlled by Jesus. He was forcing a decision. He was forcing the hand of these leaders. Did they want him riding in now during Passover? Absolutely not. Jerusalem was normally a city of about 100,000 people. But during Passover, it swelled to about a million people. And so the Jewish people had always believed when Messiah came, Messiah would overthrow the Roman government. So everybody was on edge. But of course, that wasn't the plan of Jesus at all. Jesus came to offer himself as king. Jesus came to sacrifice himself for sin. But you can almost hear the panic in the, in the voice of the Pharisees here, the religious leaders of the time, in verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that, that we're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. They were losing their grip on power. But ironically, 
they really weren't right at all. A week later, the same mob that seemed to be on Jesus' side would be screaming to crucify him. So fickle is the human spirit. And so Jesus, as he rode into Jerusalem on this day, knew that soon the same crowd would turn against him. Yet he was willing to do that. He knew what his mission was. But the Jewish leaders also felt that their power was slipping away, and so they needed to act, and they needed to act quickly. And so they plotted to kill Jesus. Jesus has always been a dividing line. He's always been controversial. And, And here he was, claiming to be the king of Israel. It didn't make Herod happy. Here he was, claiming to be Messiah, The the Jewish leaders didn't like that. The Roman leaders were afraid of him, and he was again dividing because you have to make a decision. And this moment that he rides in is like a propeller that drives us forward to this moment that would change everything. A moment of decision, a moment of grace, a moment of victory. Most in the crowd weren't real believers. Most in this crowd were like ambulance chasers. They just wanted to see the show. And so really it's true that Jesus offered salvation to deaf ears. The vast majority of people were not going to follow Jesus. Just like today, the vast majority of people just dismiss him. I don't want you to dismiss him. There's too much at stake. And during our time together, I want you to be thinking about Jesus. Who is he to you? And would you be willing to make him the commander of your life? Would you be willing to give your life to him? Now, the people that were there for this event knew enough about Jewish custom to play along, at least. And in verses 13 through 15, their actions are described. And they did all of the right thing. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. That's what you did. You laid down clothing and branches in front of a king. That was customary. And then they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And then Jesus found this young donkey and he sat on it just as it is written. That's out of Zechariah 9.9. And fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. The people would have understood that prophecy. But they didn't really understand the point of Messiah. They all thought, or the vast majority of them thought, this was a political revolutionary. Finally, they were going to be freed from Roman occupation. That wasn't the point of this. The point of this was freedom and salvation and forgiveness of sin. And that's the moment that Jesus was walking toward. When he presented himself as the Son of God, he he wasn't received by many. In fact, this text tells us that it wasn't until after he ascended and he was back with the Father that the disciples were able to kind of figure out what had happened. And just like then, the world now is hostile to this idea that we would be ornery enough to submit a claim that Jesus is the exclusive pathway 
to God. But yet, that's the gospel. And the gospel has never been popular, but the gospel is right. The gospel is true. The gospel is freeing. The gospel is life. But it's never been popular. And it's not popular here in this text either. And the reason that John is chronicling all of this is because this is the point of his book. We see it in John 20, 31, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing in His name, you can have life. And So John, the thesis of his gospel is that Jesus is Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. And so he's going to track from this moment that Jesus enters Jerusalem to this moment that would change everything in order to prove that thesis. That Jesus is the Savior of the world. And this moment that's coming now will force you to decide what do you really believe about Jesus. And it didn't take long for this whole thing in Jerusalem to fall apart and deteriorate. Because one moment they were praising him and treating him like a king, and a week later they were shouting, crucify him. And... It didn't change, though, who he was. It didn't change that, the fact that he's Messiah, that he's the king. It just showed us that they weren't going to believe. And so I don't want you to make that same mistake. Jesus came into this political hotbed full of a tense atmosphere in a full Jerusalem. And this is the way he planned it. This is the way he wanted it. Everything was in place. God's eternal redemptive plan was ongoing and it was about to come to this climax and it was a moment that would shake the world. And the crucifixion of Christ is the platform on which this event would take place. This event would shake the gates of hell. This event would change human history. And we want to see this event now, so... Maybe page ahead a few pages or take your phone and just scroll down to John 19. Turn to John 19. And we're going to go to verse 16 and take a look at this event that would change everything and force a decision. And it will begin at the second half of verse 16. John 19. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. That's just Latin for Calvary, which has been commonly used by evangelicals for this place. And there they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. And what a privilege it is to read an eyewitness account. John was there. Jesus would entrust his mother to John, and he's, he's skillfully leading us to the end of the Lord's earthly ministry and now to this moment. And this moment happened according to verse 30 when Jesus exclaimed, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
that's the moment. That, that's the moment that changed everything. And it wasn't some random moment. It was planned from the beginning of the foundation of the world. And the ramifications are immense. And it can change your life if you let it. The moment Jesus gave up his spirit, there was darkness that enveloped Jerusalem. There was an earthquake and others came out of the grave. The, the temple and the curtain in the temple that separated the high priest from the ordinary temple goer was cut in two. Everything changed. Everything shifted. But it also forces a decision. What now will we do with this? Because what took place when Jesus said it is finished is that atonement was made once and for all for sin. And what we mean by atonement is a substitutionary death. Someone else step, stepping in and dying where I should have died and you should have died because we live in a sinful world and we have all succumbed to sin. And because God is just, that sin must be paid for. And so in God's immense grace, he sent his only son into the world to walk this road of suffering, and he paid that price so that those who would believe in him can be forgiven, can be free, and have eternal life. This is the moment that changed everything. But now you have to decide what you're going to do about this moment. You have to make a decision. And the first thing you need to decide is whether you believe his claim to be the Son of God and that he can forgive your sins and grant you eternal life. The book of Acts tells us that if, if we believe in our heart and we voice it with our mouth, that we will be saved. And, and that's what we're being called to at this moment. And that's what Jesus was calling people to as he rode into Jerusalem. He's calling us to give ourselves to him so that we can escape the just punishment of sin, which is an eternity in conscious torment in hell separated from God, that's the only punishment that fits the crime of rebellion against a holy God. And that's why Jesus went to the cross and gave himself up. So you need to decide about eternity, but you also need to decide about your life now. What are you going to do about your life here? Are you going to turn it over to him? Are you going to allow him to, to lead you forward? Are you going to give yourself totally to Him? If there's one thing we're learning right now in America and around the world in this COVID-19 era that we live in, and I don't think anything's ever going to be quite the same again, is we're learning that there's an urgency to this. Because we don't know what's coming next. We don't know what the next pandemic will be. We don't know what the next natural disaster will be. And we don't know what's going to take place within this situation. And so there is an urgency 
A call to the gospel means that we do it now, not next week or the week after. And so you've seen how Jesus rode in and announced himself as Messiah, as King, as Son of God, and you see the tension and the the pushback against that by both the Roman authorities and the Jewish leaders. And you see how the mob, they didn't really believe most of them. They came back next week and said, we're going to crucify him. But Jesus was resilient, and he went to the cross. And he went there to die and give up his spirit. And on Good Friday, we're going to do a live stream at 7 p.m. I'd love to have you there to find out more and to worship. We're going to take communion together via live stream. So that's at 7 p.m. on Good Friday. But right now, if you'd like to make this decision to accept the Lord's offer of eternal life and salvation and freedom, I would like you to, with me right now, just tell him that. Now, one of the things as a pastor that's difficult is knowing exactly what I want you to do and what I want you to say because this is a heart decision. It's more than just words. It's more than going to catechism. It's more than memorizing the Bible. It's a heart decision. But here are the elements of a prayer of salvation. It would begin something like this. Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you are the Savior of the world. And I believe that I am a sinner. And I believe that I need to be forgiven of my sin. And I believe that you went to the cross because of my heart and my darkness and the things that are displeasing to you. And so will you please forgive me? Will you please make me clean? And then I think that this prayer would include a moment where you would say to Jesus, I want to follow you. I really do. I want to be your child. I want you to be my shepherd. And so that's the decision that's in front of you right now. It's a powerful thing. It's it's a hard decision. It doesn't mean life's going to be easier, but what it does mean is that your future will be secure. So I'm going to give you just, just a moment right now, in quiet, to make this choice in your life. And I'll close after in prayer, but you know the elements now. And if all else fails, and you want to make this decision, just say to God, I want you. (laughs) I believe. And as Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said, before you can raise your hand, you will be saved. So take this moment now in quiet and make this decision in your life. So if you've made that choice during our time together, here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out and I want you to tell someone. 
I want you to reach out to a local church that you might be familiar with. You can just go online to myrwc.org and you can email me. I'd love to chat with you more about Jesus or a member of our staff, but don't just keep it inside. And if you want to learn more, again, I want to invite you to our Easter live streams. Easter weekend's a great opportunity to explore more about Jesus. And you can do that at Saturday night at 5 or Sunday morning at 7.45 or 9 or 10.15 or Sunday night at 5. But we'd love to have you along so we can learn more about Jesus together. And your life can change just like Jesus changed everything when he said it is finished. Let me pray over you. Lord God, I just pray for those that have joined us. I just pray that you would call your people together and call others to yourself that are just learning to believe or are investigating you or are looking into spiritual things for the first time in this pandemic. God, I pray that you would call them to yourself and and show truth. And I pray that you would give your church power now to, to be a light that this world so desperately needs and that you would bring unity to the church and that you would bring peace and joy to your children and that many would come to know you for the first time because the gospel is true. You are real. You are the Savior of the world. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for spending time with us. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.